0: podcasting from Astrolab Studios. This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended. This week, the Quester Tapes. I I order you to return to the laboratory. I am ordering you to return to the laboratory! I am most grateful for your advice, Mr. Robinson. But I must leave immediately for a metropolitan complex known as London. And it is essential that you accompany me. Hey everybody, welcome back to Continuum Drag. We're off of a Tech War this week, so... It's the,
1: it's the best news ever. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's the best news ever. So any first-time listeners, I guess we'll give you a little idea of what's going on here. Uh, Jordan and I, we uh, watch old t- television sci-fi series and kind of see why they didn't take off or if maybe they were unjustly treated at the time. This week, though, we're taking a little um, breather, a little palate cleanser after watching... Um, how many episodes of Tech War did we do?
1: Oh, It was, I actually think we watched 13 episodes, but in Tech World time, that it was about the equivalent of watching, I don't know, 30, 40. Yeah, how many years episodes. off your life? Yeah, you know, it's, just, it's that's, that's the best way I think to, uh to, to measure it is how many years off your life. It's, it was, anyways, we don't need to go into Tech War anymore, but I'm, I'm happy to have that, that past. you know?
0: I, I, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, this week we're watching a TV movie. Yeah. Uh, by Gene Roddenberry called The Quester Tapes. Which I
1: actually forgot it was Gene Roddenberry until I started watching it. Oh, really? Yeah, because the first note I made, <laughs> made was, oh, it's Gene Roddenberry? This is going to be terrible.
0: <laughs> um, well, I, I wouldn't go that far. I had a good time, but we'll get into it as we go. What did you know about The Quester Tapes coming in? Obviously, you had even forgotten Gene Roddenberry.
1: Yeah, I knew knew very, very little. I think th- when we originally started looking at some series... I had done the most basic research into uh, into the show and had seen, you know, that it was a TV movie that was initially meant to be a series, and never took off. That's pretty much all I knew about it, and that it may or may not have had a robot.
0: Right. I mean, I don't think anyone had a robot, but I, I basically knew the same things. Roddenberry failed pilot. I, I thought it might have been based on a book. That's not true. I found out no, the I, other way around. I looked into. It. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. They um they ended up after this. Uh, someone wrote a book on the, based on the same plot, but expanded the story. So it's one of those weird times where the book was written afterwards.
0: Crazy. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we get into actually talking about the episode, I just want to do, uh, as as I did before and I'll probably do again. I wanted to give us a little like background to where the world was when this show came out, because mm. it's uh, quite old. It, it premiered on January twenty third, nineteen seventy four. Yeah, both before both of us were alive. Yeah, we have we have no we have no frame of reference for that world. Um mm-hmm. uh, but kind of in the like two months before, two months after, like these are the highlights of what was happening in the world when Quester when people were gathering around their T V to watch Quest or Yeah,
1: I don't I have a feeling not too many people were gathering around, but
0: Uh, December, uh, like a month before, The Exorcist and The Sting were released in theaters.
1: Oh, both very good movies.
0: Both very good. This was kind of in the middle of the Watergate scandal. It hadn't broken yet, but like, while this was happening, Gerald Ford was replacing Spiro Agnew as the VP. Hmm. So it's kind of like in that Watergate world. I thought this was interesting, actually. In that December, too, the American Psychiatric Association had removed homosexuality from the DSM-2. So up to that point... It was still a mental illness that so like just before Quester tape come out.
1: it is kind of crazy when you when you hear certain things um, and how long they were still part of the institution. like I think the last capital punishment in Canada was in the 1960s, which isn't the crazy part, the crazy part, it was hanging.
0: Oh, that is crazy. Like
1: isn't it like does it seem like something from a Western, but now it was still happening. Yeah, I'm assuming it was probably from your home province.
0: Oh uh, Alberta. 100%. percent <laughs> We were definitely hanging people out yeah. there. What else? What else did I have here? Uh, Oh, Patty Hearst was kidnapped the month after it came out. Oh, really? Yeah. And in in a space sort of theme, since the show is Mm -hmm. sci-fi, the crew of Skylab had set a 84-day record of being in orbit.
1: I'm not familiar with Skylab.
0: I'm not super familiar. It was sort of a precursor, I think, to the current— Apollo? Space station. No, the the current space station. I think it was a collaborative effort. Uh, I think they eventually crashed into the ocean at some point when they were done with it. But yeah, the mm-hmm. International Space is I think it was a predecessor to that
1: I'm. I could be wrong. Um, well, any NASA experts out there or space no, experts? There's no way to know. No, there's no way to know. I can't. I don't have a computer right beside me that I could possibly search it.
0: Uh, yeah, so this kind of puts you in the world of where the Questor tapes were released. In I the feel world. like I'm in the '70s right now. That's true. It's because I'm wearing this great. I don't know, afro? What did you wear in the 70s?
1: Yeah, you're wearing a lot of uh, tassels on your jacket and oh, no. a lot of oranges and browns. I do wear a lot of oranges and browns, mm-hmm. don't
0: I? I'm like an autumn tree.
1: Yeah, you're an autumn. I'm a summer.
0: All right, um, so here is the summary for the Quester tapes from IMDb. Project Questor is the brainchild of the genius Dr. Vaskolov, who developed plans to build an android superhuman. Although he has disappeared and half of the programming tape was erased in an attempt to decode it, his former colleague continues the project and finally succeeds in creating Quester. However, Vaslovic seems to have installed a secret program in Quester's brain. He flees and starts a search for Vassilovic. Since half his knowledge is missing, he needs the help of Jerry Robinson, who is now suspected of having stolen the robot.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a very convoluted plot.
0: Oh really? I thought it was very I thought it was well, refreshingly
1: straightforward. It's a straightforward plot of a robot needs to find his maker, but in terms of how the robot works with a bunch of tapes and there's one tape that's not working, so they make another tape and all I was just like, guys, just get to it. Like you didn't feel like that? The technology is a bit crazy. Like it's like tape decks. It's not even tape decks. It's like.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's, it, this is when programs were on reel to reel. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into this in a second. But like the entire lab where he's built in has just giant 70s computers. I know. It looks
1: like an old like recording studio. Real
0: real tapes. I I mean, I loved it. I mean, this actually goes into what I was going to say is it starts off with this like 70s score with this opening title sequence. Oh,
1: let me just say, maybe my favorite thing in the movie was the music, which actually we should just take a moment and just listen to some of that music. Here you go. Wasn't that great? Isn't oh, it the best so music?
0: Good. I I wrote I like I love the score. I love that opening title sequence. Yeah, it was great. I looked it up a little bit. It's like it's called a I think a color blocked sequence. Hmm. Uh, you see it a lot in the 70s. It's kind of got this great aesthetic of like still images in like one sort of primary color and they move one over another. The guy who did it actually, George uh, they called him George Delato, but he also went by Attila Delato. Hmm. Also did the credit sequence for the Andromeda strain. Oh. Which is also like one of the best title sequences. Right. So uh, like actually had a a cool title sequence guy and like that it kicks the movie off for like I love the 70s aesthetic of that kind of look and even like sci-fi movies like I like the 70s so I I was I came in pretty hot on this movie. I'm like oh this is going to be a lot of fun um but yeah we basically And, that, st-
1: and then the movie started.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it basically starts off at I don't know some university where they're working on Project Quester. Yeah. Uh, and the le- the lead scientist is uh Robinson, yeah, the old uh, Mike Farrell from Mash. Yeah, yeah, Captain Honeycutt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was I was very excited to see him. And yeah, I don't me know, too. I don't know if you noticed this. I only remembered it when I looked up researching it later. But there's a blink and you missed it. But Chekhov is in I the know. room, and I thought I saw him, and I was like, oh, I think that Chekhov. Oh, that'll come back. Don't worry. I won't. Is, Does he even say anything?
1: No, I think he has maybe one line like the car is ready or something like that. But yes, he has. You, you almost can't recognize him because he's wearing a really weird toupee and mustache. So he sort of looks like, um, what's his name from Death Wish? What's his name? Oh, Bronson? He looks like a little bit like like a Charles Bronson in a trench coat. And uh, yeah, it was a really weird cameo, which I guess is like a favor to, to Roddenberry?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, this was post Star Trek. So it's not like he discovered him there. Like, It yeah. felt like he got him a job, but the job was terrible.
1: Or, or it was like I could put you in the movie, but I can't have anyone uh, know who you are. Also, another person, obviously, that shows up right off the bat is his wife, Michelle Barrett. Oh, I missed that. You didn't hear her voice? Sounds exactly like the Star Trek Enterprise. Do not. Yeah, Michelle Barrett is the only woman in the in in, in the lab because it's the 70s, uh, and it's it's. Uh, well, that's, Barrett.
0: that's great. I bring. This up. I made this note. And I'm going to bring it up right now. Um, as long as we're talking so much of his Star Trek past, mm-hmm. this movie is essentially like some sort of. If you rewrote it, it could just be a Star Trek prequel called like Data Origins or something. Yeah, I mean, so much data stuff happening. There's so much data.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we can obviously we'll touch into it more. There's clearly an early idea for data here, which some people dispute. I went and did a little bit of reading after, and most people basically call quest or an early draft of data although i don't think he had data in mind i think it just was let's just redo this idea again
0: oh yeah um, I, I think this is just ideas he likes and then he has revisited after but there's also
1: a clear uh, like kirk spock uh relationship happening with the two god with the two main characters maybe not quite as effective but that same sort of idea human and someone who Lacks is struggling is struggling with emotion or humanity
0: yeah, it is funny. You can see a lot of his old tricks and his future tricks. Also,
1: and it's like it's almost the same plot as Star Trek: The Motion Picture and uh, Star Trek Five, and a lot of classic Roddenberry themes are in this. Not always executed to the most effective way.
0: I mean, it definitely has his core theme of just like a sense that. He- humanity is essentially good and then yeah. like we should like it's got that really hopeful theme to mm-hmm. it, that he can't all his work sort of has right. that. but yeah you're sort of in this lab we get introduced to the robot on this slab who is the funniest thing i've ever it, you he know what it looks? looked like stretch armstrong
1: oh seriously so no i thought it looked just like robin williams and centennial man do you remember oh, that, that really bad movie? That's fair. Yeah, it's an actor and they're like... That's maybe my feelings on this movie. It started really strong, the music, and you're like, yes, yes, I'm in. And then you see the robot and you're like, this is so hilarious. Because for anyone who hasn't seen it, the robot does kind of look like...
0: He's like a blob of plasticine in man form. <laughs> but
1: what's great about it is he doesn't have really many features. His nose is kind of just a bump. He's got bumps for ears. But th- but there's eyelashes. Because
0: yeah. (laughs) Like they molded him out of clay, a vague human shape. vague human shape. But they're still an actor under it, so his eyes are like
1: Yeah. But he looks great and he's sort of in a Christ like position in in his (laughs) stretcher.
0: That's true. I mean, very appropriate for the movie, I guess. I'm not sure if it's on purpose, but
1: could be. I was thinking when I first watched, I thought, wouldn't this be great if this took place in the same universe as Tech War and this was just the beginning of the building the robots and at the end it becomes a winger?
0: That that'd be, be great. That'd be great. Uh, this was a collaboration the, yeah. uh, that Chatner did with him afterwards.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Anyway, they they basically have built this robot based on these plans. They don't really know how he works. The kind of which just, is so
1: ludicrous. They can have, imagine can you imagine getting a grant or whatever? I'm assuming it's a grant to build to build a robot, the first android, and they're like, but we don't really know how to do it. And They're like, eh, as you were, keep keep building it. Like
0: his creator Vaskalovlik or whatever left the plans and then disappeared three years ago, and they like. Robinson's just been building him and they basically yeah his brain is on these tapes hence the Quester tapes they were
1: given an Ikea piece of furniture but the manual went away yeah and now they're trying to figure it out without the manual
0: yeah. and they they basically have built it and they run the tapes through his brain and I kind of like this is like once the his brain is installed they just stand there and nothing happens and they're like well I guess it doesn't work. Um, but really, it's just the robot's really tricky. Like, the program was for the robot to pretend to be asleep.
1: Yeah, but I like that they were all just like, didn't work. Eh, I guess that that's it for the night. Like, what were they going to plan on doing tomorrow? Was well, a new
0: project? They didn't. I, I assume they just hoped it would wake up and then they'd deal with it. Like, they don't know how it works. They built it.
1: Yeah. So anyways, yeah, it doesn't work. And then they just go home for the night. And the robot, he's just waiting. He's just pretending to be asleep. Because he wants some privacy to do what?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, he needs to a do some great jerky robot action. Yes. Just jerking his arms left and right.
1: I love that the universal acting movements for robots from everyone from like, you know, Tin Man to C-3PO to Data. Everyone's just decided robots are jerky. Like when is someone going to make a really slinky kind of robot who's who might also be like a jazz dancer?
0: I want to say this. I did go and watch an episode of Star Trek after this, Next Generation. Mm -hmm. And What a a double feature you had. Watching Brent Spiner play a robot, I I was just like, oh, he, I got to say, a much better actor. He really is attempting to make a robot, like, in comparison to these two. If you watch these two acting jobs back to back, I'm like, oh, Brent Spiner, at least, is really trying to. Who's the guy who plays uh, Robert Foxworth? Yeah, Robert Foxworth, who I wasn't really familiar with. As soon as he
1: starts talking, which he will... I thought, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this movie because he talks in a robot voice like this constantly. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to watch and listen to this because he's the only character talking at this point.
0: I think the direction was for him to be very robotic at the start. Yes, and then, spoiler,
1: as time goes on, he gets a little less robotic. But, oh, man, is it painful at first. Anyways, Um, but we're jumping
0: ahead. Robert Foxworth, I'll give you some fun trivia about him. Sure, go ahead. To this day, still playing robots. (laughs) Really? He has been in, I think all of the transformers movies he has a uh, voice he voices one of the robots uh ratchet i guess he's the robot doctor in the
1: movie yeah, yeah i know who ratchet is yeah uh, everyone knows who ratchet is come on
0: yeah that's quester quester's still that's around quester. he's still doing robots hmm. but yeah this part is great because he now chooses what he's gonna look like he he like boots up every yeah, night he
1: sort of turns the computers on and he's he like boots up the cosmetology yeah. app yeah yeah oh and wasn't this this was the, one of the greatest technologies ever which what they basically have is an a steaming iron of some sort that you press to your skin, or the robot presses to his skin, and when he pulls it off, it's the shape that he's chosen. It's so it's- molded. I
0: thought he was like he's like three D printing yeah. body parts. Like but that's what kind of what it looks now, like.
1: when he put the ear on, the first thing he does is an ear and pulls it off, and I th- and you think, oh, he can do any body part. What was the next thing you thought
0: of? Oh, are you thinking just of a dick?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Do> you <laughs> what you ear to dick? Yeah. Well, I just thought. Well, you know, he's got to pick his. He's got to pick what it looks like. You know, I weirdly it on. hadn't considered that. No, you hadn't just considered it. Second. Well, because they so he goes through and there's it's a pretty great there, classic science fiction scene.
0: Great, it actually. I know it's a low budget, and they do the rest. This is an amazing transformation. No, so it me. looks pretty good. It, like the actors, they're slowly basically just taking pieces of the plastic scene they put on the actor's face, so he's slowly emerging as he chooses different things. When he puts his hair on, it's like a reverse vacuum. That
1: was, my, that was my favorite part.
0: He sticks this like weird steamy looking vacuum on it and he just pulls it of his head and now he has this like carpet of hair. He's, oh got,
1: he's got like a 1970s curly hair, which my that's my favorite thing about it. They actually drop a line about how he's decided his skin tone and like imperfections like moles and stuff because it's the 70s and actors look like normal human beings. But what's funny is I like that the robot chose to look like a somewhat frumpy late 30s year old Guy, like he could have looked like anyone. He could have looked like a big muscular Adonis, but he chose. He's like, no, I don't know, just kind of some like dude wearing a leisure suit.
0: There is actually later when the government's searching for him. There's a line where they actually say they're looking at how he made him look, and they note that he gave himself medium fair skin tone. And the guy refers, oh, so he he appears normal. Cause oh it's yeah. a Great. Sev- it's a great. He says it to an Asian guy too. He's like, oh, so he appears normal. Not, not like, like you. Not like you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess to be fair, he could have also chosen blue skin. So maybe that's what they were. Doing. Yeah. Well, I mean. But it did seem very like this, like very problematic 70s viewpoint.
1: But no, let me ask you a weird thing. He's all, right after the scene. He's wearing clothing, too. So did he steam on some clothing?
0: Oh, you see him. He goes to the lockers the scientist had. Does he? And one of them left without their clothes. Like he's literally. Oh, taking I the didn't. Clothes, see, I didn't remember I, that. I, I was watching. him was like, why did that one guy leave his clothes in the locker when he left today? At the end of the day. That's mm. weird. You know, convenience mostly for the plot. But, uh, I made a few notes. Like This comes up over the episode. But they kind of talk about like how he works and like just some great faux science stuff. Yeah. Like, I believe his brain they run the tape programming into is a brain case bionic plasma. That's a, I don't know what that means. Pretty good, though.
1: It's how you build an android.
0: His stomach is a nuclear furnace.
1: I know. Well, that becomes a plot point later. <laughs> but, but yeah, that seems like maybe not a great idea.
0: The synopsis here says that it's because they tried to decode it. Some of the tapes are damaged. In other parts of the show, they seem to imply that that his creator removed some of them, and then later they seem to imply that it's just it's just gone. Some of the tapes are gone. They don't know why. So he's missing like his emotions. He's miss like the tapes aren't fully there. So yeah. well,
1: they've they've tried filling in the pieces, but he's not entirely perfect.
0: And knowing this was supposed to go to series, and watching this first part, I thought for sure the plot to this show being that it's called the Questor tapes would be that every episode he, he's trying to find more of the, ta- like their tapes are hidden over the world and he's right. slowly building. Not the case. There are no more tapes. The whole show is called Questor tapes, but it never, yeah. co- it'll well, never come up. Again. I mean, we
1: should, we should probably talk at the end about what sort of happened to this and why it didn't become a series. And I've done a little bit of reading, but I think you're right. That probably would have made a more interesting story than the one that we get.
0: It, it just seemed like such a logical step. Like he's missing tapes. The show's called Questor tapes. I just assumed that was going to be the like driving force. Not at all. No. Anyway, Quester's alive, and he has one goal now. He needs to find his creator, uh, yeah. Veslav or whatever his name and do, is. And
1: do they ever really make it clear? Because I remember thinking like, oh, God, this is going to be the plot. Like, it's not the most. It's not the most exciting plot. It
0: is a really classic robot plot. It's like. Yeah. Who is my creator? Like they jump, they, they don't even like built, like usually that's like a philosophical idea, but this is like built into his like programming. The first thing he does when he gets up, he's like, gotta go find my creator. Yeah.
1: Is it, What they, what they indicate is he has to find his creator because he needs to learn something. So it's like, it's his only driving force. Is I need to, there's no time for any funny scenes of like him learning to enjoy a banana split or, uh, fly a kite or anything like that.
0: No, I mean this, like it's a, what an hour and a half, an hour 40, this movie. Yeah. They, they put that into motion immediately like yeah. it's just like gas the metal on find my creator um and like there's some great stuff with him being a robot he gets to tear apart a lot of like flimsy steel doors with his bare hands
1: yeah he's strong
0: he, he gets to escape things like that he he breaks into a library to read about his creator and look at a bunch of microfiche which i was like yeah microfiche by the
1: way and that scene too i like that lady he talks to the lady who's um yeah the secretary the secretary works and there's a couple funny things about it one he asks about his creator and she's like Oh, I'm his assistant, but he hasn't been around for three years. And I remember thinking, still on payroll. But Yeah, you're still the payroll. What are you doing every day? Just walking around the library, I guess. And the second thing was she mentions later where they question her, the government, whoever it is, question her. Did you talk to Questor? And she's like, well, at first he seemed a little robotic, but then he became really charming. And I thought, when did he become charming? He just stayed sound like a robot.
0: I know. He seemed like the most socially awkward miscreant. Yeah, but she talked to him like he was adorable the entire yeah. time. Yeah, he's like,
1: like, I need, I need. What did he's like? I need a water vehicle, and she's like, Oh, you're very, you're, you're like a young Cary Grant.
0: And that's the thing. At some point, she tells him, she's just like, Oh, you're a little odd, aren't you? And that's when Quester's like, Oh, you know what that means? I need a partner who can like talk to humans. So uh, it's the weirdest transition of him being like, Oh, I better go find a uh, Dr. Robinson. Because we need Rob.
1: We need we need him to talk to somebody. Because
0: we know he's going to hook up with him. But, like, the, the secretary saying he's a little awkward is, like, his only impetus. So he, like, goes, oh, did you notice this, though? He has to go get Robinson, who's the government has on lockdown. I don't know why. Like, because mm-hmm. they think he did something to the robots. So this why it doesn't work. Anyway, none of that matters. But when he goes to the cop, he basically Vulcan neck. Uh, I did Quester, notice that, yeah. Like, basically Vulcan neck pinches the cop. Yeah. Roddenberry just loves that well.
1: One other thing I should mention is uh, earlier on there, they list all the things uh, the, wh- why it's so important for them to create this android because he's going to be able to do all these things. And they talk about all the different things he's going to eliminate. All the good he can do. And, and the one thing they mentioned, like he's going to create jobs and all this thing. And then they say he'll eliminate drudgery. And I thought, I what? That. That's amazing. He's going to eliminate drudgery. Thank
0: God someone's going to, you know what? I hope in this next election. Oh, I'm so glad there's
1: robots. No more boredom.
0: I want a politician to run under eliminating drudgery. Yeah. I will vote for that. Yeah.
1: No more drudgery. drudgery. No, no more drudgery. drudgery. Vote for Questor in 74.
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah, so he basically forces Robinson to come with him. It's great. They d- drive to the airport because he knows he needs to go to London. Because I guess your complaint about the plot is anytime they need to figure out what to do next. Quester just, in his programming, knows he needs to do this thing.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a real good uh, way to get around the holes. Just yeah. like, oh, my programming says we should turn right. Okay, let's go that way. Like yeah, we,
0: so they have to go to London. And I, I did like, as they're sitting to the airport... He, he just forces Robinson. He's like, you have to buy tickets to London. He's like, what do you mean? That's so expensive. And he's I know like, that was
1: that was Robinson's last stand. He's like, you're going to use my credit card.
0: Yeah, he's he's, like, he's, he has
1: no problem with anything else the robot is doing. But as soon as it starts getting to, to card robot, hold cash.
0: Quester's a freeloader. He's yeah. Just
1: like, well, also, there's a funny thing. I actually watched this movie on a plane. And the funny thing was watching how different things were in the 1970s on planes and like i'm squished in this tiny little spot the guy beside me spent the entire flight reading manga comics on his phone which was weird um unrelated i just thought that was 2018 odd. and you're just squished and then i look i'm watching this movie and people are just walking around on the plane they're having a drink everyone's just enjoying it. i'm like oh, well things were way better in the 70s not only that there's no one on that plane to land. Yeah, there's no there's no there's like one one other there's, person I think and they get on without agree. their passports
0: yeah, they get on with other passports. They're a little worried they won't have them when they arrive, but don't worry. Questar has a plan. Isn't it weird when they create these these robots? They
1: being writers, I don't know. When people create robots, but they have scientists. They're always scientists. They have uh, this great intelligence, and they know all these things. And they calculate things very quickly, but then they have these weird intellectual blind spots. Like he's like, I can calculate, you know, the sun and the moon, blah blah, and then he's like, aquatic vehicle. I'm like, oh, he knows how to add a million things, but he doesn't know what a boat is. The word boat. Yeah. Come on. Well,
0: he does that, too, with uh, he kept saying the word specie. Oh, really? When referencing money, he kept calling it specie. And I've never I had to Google it. I'm like, what is this term? And it's really it, this is like an ancient term for money. So this is even like a robot using a, like aquatic vehicle. Well,
1: it's probably because they took like ancient Egyptian uh, tapes and put that in him to, it seems uh, like, to yeah, fix I, the fix the holes.
0: I think it was Roman or something. I'm just like, what? I've never heard anyone use that term for money before. Like current I, There's a million words. They went with specie. He keeps saying it.
1: There, there were also some moments that could have been pretty funny and had some lighthearted moments. There's really none in this movie. It's, it's not free of drudgery. Um, it's not boring and it's not dour or anything but it's it's not there's no like real funny little moments i did think
0: i mean there's not jokes Honeycut from mash though like robin who who plays robinson like he brings a lot of lightheartedness to it like they cast him very well but
1: they don't have any like fish out of water scenes with no there's no
0: jokes like he uh, any any humor or lightheartedness he's bringing is the actor himself is just because he's so likable and like kind of sees the absurdity I guess and Mm -hmm. like is able to play with it but yeah no one's written a joke into this anywhere I mean as we're about to see when they get to London there's a manhunt on it for them because they escape from customs blah 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 blah
1: yeah they escape from customs
0: in the easiest way ever they rip down another door well
1: yeah he goes uh, don't worry he tells Robinson don't worry I have a plan when we get there and they get there and immediately because they don't have passports they're put into security and his plan is he just rips the door off yeah I was like oh I guess that is a plan but I'm like why don't you just tell him though like don't worry I'm just gonna rip the door off I mean I think you made Quester. it sound like it was going to be something bigger and grander.
0: I think that's always Quester's plan. I'm just yeah. going to rip a door down. Yeah. Anyway, they escape. There's a manhunt. So they do what's obvious. They just go to the local casino uh, where... Did that uh, scene seem very familiar to you? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, they definitely do the classic. Like, And this isn't just Star Trek, but like, um, as soon as they get there, it's time for the robot sex talk, where the robot wants to yeah. watch people have sex because he's curious it's it's like a cliche, but it's just re- so well, there's, and there's And it becomes a running theme of this entire well,
1: show. And there's, and there's a couple shades of shades of, uh, uh, shades of data, that, which I think people, why people really think it's a uh, uh, precursor to that is he has the line, you know, I'm fully functional. Mm-hmm. And then also there's almost a shot for shot scene of him gambling, rolling dice. And then the dice
0: gets the switched dice and, and he
1: has to change the dice by squeezing it. Yeah, the know.
0: dice are loaded. Uh, like they start playing because they decide they need money. Because they spent all Robinsons to get there, so they they play craps. And yeah, yeah like, the university's not paying him too he, well. He's winning so much that the they give him a loaded dice, and he just like I don't think you can crush dice to reshape them, but he does. But uh, yeah, no, you clearly can. That's what Quester did. That's uh yeah, that's a big part because that is uh very similar to an episode of Star Trek. That's what I watched. I went back because yeah. I could not remember that episode, so I went back and watched that episode, and it is funny because even in the dialogue of Quester, he he keeps saying like. I will expose the cube faces to single dots in the Star Trek episode. Data uses those exact same lines of dialogue.
1: Well, clearly the writer was doing a bit of an homage, if you will. Well,
0: that's actually, I looked into it. The writer took his name off that Star Trek episode because it was so heavily rewritten that he didn't want to be associated with it anymore. Really? So I actually think we're seeing a direct Roddenberry influence on it. You think
1: Roddenberry got in there and was like, I know a scene that will work.
0: I, I, that must be it because it, there's so many similarities. Like it's literally out of this right. movie, Um and the idea that this writer wrote something really didn't like how it got rewritten and took his name off it must mean he, it wasn't his fault anyway. It was not an homage. That guy did not want that homage. <laughs> but yeah, they, they, but yeah, I, I checked IMDb and someone had the trivia on that. Do you know because they start with twenty six dollars? Do you know how much they've won by the end? Someone did the um, math. I'm gonna guess forty thousand. million. Holy moly. That's how much they win in the casino, which I feel like the casino should have thrown them out far before that. Yeah. Also not agreed to pay them because it's 1974. That's yeah. a ton of money even today.
1: People love uh, gambling scenes with robots or, uh, please, no one get angry at me. What's the uh, Rain Man? Rain Man, he takes someone with, you know, a special, he has special abilities.
0: People like a scene where someone's good at gambling, like they can like beat the house because there's nothing like, it's like bureaucracy. You want to beat the house. It's fun when people see that happen. I guess. You hate it. You love when the house wins.
1: Yeah, I like when the house wins. Show these people, there's your hard-earned money, gone. Why don't you learn your lesson? Why don't you learn your lesson, idiots? <laughs>
0: <laughs> why do they need to win all that money? Like, the next scene is them in a cab going to a mansion.
1: Well, yeah, it's kind of, because, yeah, but they were like, they needed it to get essentially get back. But why, yeah, why he needed, like, um, over a million dollars is not clear.
0: It was weird. The next thing we see them, they're just in a cab driving up to a mansion because Quester has, again, just recalled that his creator used to go see... A person who goes by the code name of C at yeah. this mansion. So they they're going over there to see if that person knows. I mean, this is literally brand new information. Like whenever yeah. they need new information, Quester thinks. About. Well,
1: there's there is a bit of a problem of the story naturally propelling itself forward. It doesn't really have that momentum, so Quester has to always go. Uh, I remember that I need to go over there, and so that's how the plot's always driven, and, and you kind of feel that while watching it.
0: I know, I, I know, I'm com- sounds like I'm complaining about it a lot right now, and I guess I am. In the moment, it really didn't bother me that much for some reason. I, I guess there was just enough momentum behind it that I was like, all right, let's see mm. where we're going now. Um, but like in retrospect, it's obviously just where now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this mansion is the home of Lady Helena Tremble, who I guess shared government secrets with uh, Vaskolov, the creator. And they call her, did you catch this? They they said she was a courtesan?
1: Yeah, they essentially call her a classy whore.
0: She's living in a mansion by her, like she has servants. None of that like checks out, like none of those things make sense.
1: The whole point of this
0: basically is to have a scene where Quester
1: convinces Robinson to try to seduce her for information, right?
0: Yeah, they want more information. She won't tell them. And this is crazy. This is, I thought this was insane for the robot to do this. Usually you'd expect the human to do that and the robot to be like, well, I don't know if that's true. Um, But the robot's like- That's a great robot, by the way. Quester literally says, she won't take money because she's rich, but women can be emotionally manipulated. So if you try to seduce her, she'll tell you the information. Like that's in his basic programming, that idea of how to interact with other people. Yeah, well, it was one
1: of the misogynist tapes that were put into him. (laughs) (laughs) That was intact, everything was okay.
0: It was so funny that he's like, that's in my basic programming. I'm like, hmm, that is bad basic programming. (laughs) But yeah, Robinson, because he is the moral, he's supposed to be the moral center for, for Quester because Quester lacks morality. That's why he's brought him along. But he, does he, they keep saying, does he
1: lack He doesn't really lack morality. He's not out there like kicking puppies and stuff. I, I
0: guess he, he, he asks questions. I guess he's supposed to just answer moral questions. Although it's funny when, when Quester asks if it's okay to like cheat at the casino, uh, or Robinson's like, yeah, that sounds fine to me. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's like, yes, it's okay. Um, but we'll a, dice. Essentially him and uh, Helena, Lady Helena, Robinson and Lady Helena have a meet cute moment where he breaks one of her tea glasses and then she also smashes her tea glass in a very awkward scene and says, I hated those. Yeah. And he like loses his, he's like, I can't do this to you. I don't want to seduce you. He rats quest out for his plan immediately. Actually, he said something really weird. He said, he can't do this to you even if you are what they say you are. I'm mm. just like, so you think... She's a prostitute, and you think it's probably okay to do that to a prostitute. But he likes you so much, he won't even if you are one. It it clearly has not aged well. No, it is really. I thought it was very funny just watching these people like just constantly talking down to this very wealthy woman. So,
1: anyways, is this the part where we kind of get to where they mention that he has like a three day destruction
0: thing in him? Uh, yeah, doesn't work. Quester also tries to seduce her which is weird, doesn't work. Oh, that's interesting, actually. Did you find this in your in your uh, research? What's that? Roddenberry wanted a sex scene for Quester and Helena in the script, and the network made him pull it out. Hmm. And there's already so much sex talk around him in this. Like, it's so insane how much Roddenberry was, like, interested in a robot having sex.
1: Now, my question is, do you think Quester would have um, kept on that suit jacket?
0: Oh, well, he would not know any better. Um, but, yeah, essentially... He offers her the other commodity that he now knows about, which is friendship. So silly. Yeah. He's going to offer her friendship, to which she immediately discloses that uh, Vaskolov has this information center he's built under her, like this high-tech information center, which is crazy. It's like a room full of TVs, and it's kind of like it's 2018, like, and every webcam you can tap into, except it's 1974, and there's just like camera. He's hidden. Somehow Vaskolov has hidden cameras in in the Congress. In the U- Soviet defense, yeah, that was ministry. weird, right? There's just a camera in a bedroom. So what was what's the name, Vaskolev? Yeah, Vaskulev. I don't know how
1: useful all of that information was to him that he needed to, you know, have have all these cameras in places. It well, was like,
0: eh. what? At this point, in this in the show, we all we kind of know he's like a vaguely Russian name. Like obviously we're in mm-hmm. the Cold War, and now he's like trading secrets and spying. Like you're supposed to get the sense that maybe he's a bad guy. And they use that because right. Robinson's actually going to call the government back in the US and rat out Quester right away. Classic. Classic Robinson. Robinson's constantly ratting people out in this show. Yeah. Um but yeah, like they're watching all this stuff and Quester explains like that dude in the bedroom who's about to sleep with that woman, him doing that is going to potentially cause a famine which is going to cause lead to like right. 2 billion deaths. Like it seems to be what we're looking at is all this data gap like it's big data basically like some of these ideas are interesting like if this were done in 2018 it'd be about how someone has hacked all these cameras like Facebook has can look into all your webcams and they're taking all this data and they're figuring out what's going to happen in the future and profiting off of it that's sort of what's implied here but it's 1974 and I'm just like this is a real stretch for what's going on at this point Robinson's a little freaked out he calls the government this is where Quester records a confession tape where he explains the nuclear stomach is going to Explode in three days if he doesn't find his creator. That's a great band explosion. name, by the way. Nuclear stomach. <laughs> nuclear stomach. Uh, yeah, he records this silly like confession tape. Oh, my favorite part of the confession tape though was was that when he's sitting in that little, he's sitting in the control panel. Oh yeah, the control panel is great. It's like a circular desk with like yeah. a fishbowl that comes down over his head. Yeah, it's very. It's, it's uh, a
1: very Star Trek yeah, like set, like original a, Star Trek.
0: It's very, it's very uh, like somewhat futuristic. It's kind of fun. But when he's doing that confession, he has this line uh, where he says he's talking about everything he's learned in the last two days maybe he says i've seen so much to criticize in mankind it's like so judgy quester but he also hasn't he's barely seen anything well that's what i was gonna say
1: one of the major problems i think i've had this i like the basic idea of this movie but i find a lot of the execution doesn't work because you don't see quester learning anything
0: it's a real rush job. he hasn't
1: yeah he has no experiences
0: yeah he's just rushing 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 basically after that he tells he does his confession tape he's gonna blow up in three days and he tells robinson i'm never gonna see you again goodbye and then robinson finds him like 30 seconds in like a public park he walks away and robinson's like oh he left cut scene walks up to him in a park and he's like oh hey yeah (laughs) i don't know why Custer's like
1: sorry my programming said i had to go to a park
0: i don't know why they set up that idea it's like you'll never see me again and then he's like no effort at all to find you yeah the government shows up because because Robinson ratted him out. They open fire on Quester in a park full of children. It was really funny. Like all these military show up, and it's a playground. Like they've just seen a Noah's Ark.
1: And by the way, the military shows up remarkably fast in this every time. They've, I think they're called like two or three times, and they show up like immediately.
0: Well, the main military guy named Darrow owns a jet that he's personally flying everywhere. Right. It's so ridiculous. But yeah, he sees a Noah's Ark sculpture in this children's playground, which. Is The watercraft he's been looking for I guess mm-hmm. like it jogs his memory And then the military opens fire on him Children are running and screaming everywhere It's, it's the most violent way to take down a robot yeah. in a fire. And they have to Fly him back to the US Where I guess your favorite kind of thing Happens is they open up a robot
1: Yeah I love it
0: They open up they go into his gizmos
1: And, and he looks the way robots should look He's just a bunch of wires and lights and stuff. You're like, oh, yeah, that's how robots work. It's great. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great. And He has to open them up because Questor's been shot a bunch of times Yeah, and he's they, not functioning.
0: They, yeah, they, they, they opened fire on him in a public he's
1: park. He's possibly a billion-dollar yeah. bit of technology, and they're just like, yeah, just just shoot him a million times.
0: Uh, to be fair, Darrow, that's the government guy who's been following them, actually told them not to shoot him. But uh, the military is such hotheads.
1: Hot Don't defend Darrow. There's one thing I've always said to you don't Darrow. oh, darrow's a
0: hero <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of this weird way to delay the end of the movie where he has to rebuild quester yeah. robin has to rebuild quester it takes like three minutes yeah and at which point wins quester-, quester
1: walks him through it which is a point that um you had made in tech war which is uh winger didn't know anything yeah, about his, his own technology but in this quester can fix himself quester can fix himself he's like no that is my that's my itchy spot don't don't touch that that's the worst thing ever in a robot He has an itchy spot I couldn't think of anything but he can walk he can walk Robinson through it's what I'm saying
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean very classic robot stuff I, yeah I like it I like it when they can fix themselves
1: yeah. no the left view is not the right one that's better
0: uh, yeah but and as soon as they have him like able to speak again he basically informs Robinson that they have to fly to Mount Aravat the legendary Ararat Ararat Aravat I, I don't know Ararat. Yeah. The it's,
1: its the legend where Noah's the ark landed.
0: Yeah, I have never heard this legend before.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be at, after the flood in the the biblical story that Noah's ark eventually, as the water starts coming down, the boat lands and it lands on on this mountain. Now, the funny thing about that is, I believe—and I could be wrong—but I think that is somewhere in the Middle East. Yeah, that but that where they're filming it. this does not
0: look like that at all. But yeah, just some badlands. It's like just like yeah, like close co- to the studio.
1: Look, yeah, it looks like there's L.A. or something.
0: Yeah and they fly out there. Actually this is where you get another classic kind of very Star Treky actually but probably robot thing in general is Quester makes a joke for the first time. He makes his first joke. What was the joke? As they're flying out there, he turns he turns to Robinson and says we have to get there soon. The mountain will become a molehill because he's going to explode and destroy the thing. Oh I think
1: I'll be honest, I probably stopped paying attention.
0: He looks at Robinson for reaction. And actually, what I like the most is Robinson does react. He's like, Whoa, was that a joke? And Robinson, when he says, Is that a joke? He's like, I don't think that automation will worry the Comedians Guild. And I mostly just wanted to know more about the Comedians Guild. (laughs) Like, what's this guild? How does it work? How are their benefits? Yeah, what are the benefits? Who do you pay in the Comedians Guild? It was just, there's nothing to it. It's a bad joke. It's yeah. just the follow-up line made even less sense than the joke itself. But that basically, yeah, I guess brings them to the Middle East to this mountain with Darrow in pursuit because they've put like a tracking device or something into Questor mm-hmm. so the military can track him. And he flies in and it's cool. Did you see his jet? Yeah. Darrow's jet was sweet. It was all right. It was this cool 70s jet. He just pops out and runs away. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it love fun. Darrow. Yeah, you love Darrow. They climb this mountain. Quester pushes a big rock. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was funny.
0: And then it opens up like a portal. There's like, like a
1: holographic rock face hiding yeah. a tunnel. It's like it's like what you've seen the the bat cave have, like a little hologram side that, you know, you don't know this It Just opens there. up into things.
0: This is yeah. I would argue kind of is the bookend to the very cool science y lab at the beginning. Is mm-hmm. now we go into a cave, a psychedelic cave. Like the cave they walk through is like they're walking through a shimmering geode. Yeah. And then they end up in this huge cave, which is like reds and blues. And it's like this like psychedelic kind of inspired cave. And like it's the best set design at the, like, is at the end of this movie.
1: Yeah. When the lights are hitting him and stuff.
0: Yeah. like He's finding his creator and he doesn't explode because he's made it to the right place. I guess it yeah. defuses the bomb. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. We should we should mention. I don't know if he did. At one point he mentions he only has three days to do this or he'll blow up. Right. But but it doesn't give the movie any sense of immediacy. Did you feel like, oh, no, he better get there in time?
0: Well, it's funny because they announced he has three days to live and then he gets shot and they bring him back to America to fix. I'm like, how many hours did you waste? I know. Back? I thought the same thing. I'm like, you guys just flew him six hours back over there? But then they immediately say like, oh, you still have like 27 hours. Yeah. There's never really like even when they fix him, they're like, hey, you got like another 20 hours left. You're good. Yeah. There's not yet. There's well, not. Well, that's what I mean. They they
1: add this this bit of tension of oh he's only got a certain amount of time, but then they go don't worry about that though everything's they, fine. They should have announced it earlier in the movie, or they should have just said after this happens you have 19 months to live, and he'd be like oh okay well that was weird you've mentioned that.
0: In this cave though they finally discover Vaskolov, who's his creator. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of great like they look go- It looked cool. they is laying on a metal slab suspended in the air, but going basically into infinity beyond him in the background are more metal slabs with other people laying on them. Mm -hmm. So it's Vaskolov next to an empty slab, and then every slab beyond Vaskolov is just like another person going basically into infinite. And they go up, and they sort of discover what's been going on and why Vaskolov's been gone for three years. It turns out he's a robot from space. Yeah, (laughs) I know. They're (laughs) all robots from space. I know, it's a real turn. Essentially, I guess what it is, robots crashed on Earth, 200 millennia ago How many, do you know how many years a, a millennia is yes yeah, a lot. I had to look it up. It's 200,000 years. They've been on earth. Holy moly uh, I I also looked it up. That would be that would equate to the moment homo sapiens appeared on earth So the second homo sapiens evolved these robots crash on earth, right? <laughs> and I guess they they say they're there to protect but not interfere with humanity and that they're the only reason humans haven't killed each other Except that they don't like not interfere. They're quite clearly Interfering. heavily. Like they talk about how their job is to help someone if they think that person will help humanity along the way or hinder someone mm-hmm. if they think that person is a hindrance to humanity. Like that's why he has that information booth. This is all just some giant robot guardian angel They're playing conspiracy. God. Yeah. There haven't been a lot of robots. They apparently just make their successor every time they're going to die. Yeah. Which I just had so many questions. I'm like, how did you make a successor in the Stone Age? I think I think there's some problems with it. <laughs> like you needed tape to put Questor's brain in this time. Well, I, my assumption
1: was that each robot was made with the technology at hand. So the first one would have been made out of, assumingly, sticks, sticks and bones and twigs. And then later on, it's like, oh, you're made out of clay. And then the next one's made out of
0: oh, so there's like one in just a night suit, and yeah, years a yeah. Night suit. yeah,
1: exactly. So, which by the way, how much cooler would that have been? Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Way better than than this kind of out of shape 1970s guy with a curly hair.
0: Well, and then also Vaslov shares this piece of information that Quester is the last robot, and he mm. has 200 years to live. Yeah, uh, take that three days. It was really weird. He's the last robot because humanity is growing out of his infancy. It's as a TV show it's idea. Classic Roddenberry. As a TV show idea, that is such a stupid concept. Look at Doctor Who. Quester should you just remake Quester? You could just make that show forever. But what you've done is you've put a time limit. You've got one robot, and yeah. this show is over. Like it's not forward thinking. You got to think long term, Roddenberry. Long term, you got to keep this thing going.
1: Don't worry, I don't—well, I, I was going to say I don't think this thing ever had a chance to have legs, but we'll discuss that. It clearly did.
0: Anyway, with all this information, now Robinson's, like, the first human to ever learn this secret, and Vasculov, the creator, tells him, you have to stay with Quester because he has no moral tapes. So it's yeah. going to be your job to guide him through humanity. Yeah, or otherwise he's just murdering everyone left, right, and center. Um, but at the same time, uh, our government agent, Darrow, has also <laughs> snuck into the cave and has watched this whole thing play out, so he also knows everything. But he, as a good Rod and Barry character does, recognizes the importance of this mission and changes his mind about Quester. He Take, ta- takes the tracking device. Takes the tracking device, flies away in a plane, and tells the military to blow up the tracking device. So he sacrifices himself... Yeah, so he, may, yeah he, he gets them live. to shoot,
1: him, shoot himself down.
0: And then they're all like, yeah, fix that. Yep. Move on. Let's so not ever worry about that robot again. The, the robot was exploded. I don't know what happened to that guy who's ordered to explode him, but I yeah. uh, assume he's fine. He's somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, don't
1: worry. His secretary will still be working.
0: Yeah, don't Yeah. Don't worry about that. Secretaries, that's a lifelong job. And yeah, that's basically it. Dar- uh, Darrow has saved Quester and Robinson. Now everyone thinks Quester's dead. And they kind of walk away, kind of into the sunset, very, um, I don't know, what's that, kung fu or something. Here's what I thought. Where it
1: finishes is where it could get interesting. (laughs) Didn't you feel like just the end, like, oh, they're a team now and they're going to go on adventures. Well, I mean, it's the start of the
0: show. Like, they've set up the premise of the show. Yeah. It's where the interesting stuff happens. The last line is Robinson turning to and saying, I guess I'll stick around. You might need your your oil changed. And that's just the end of the That's the the end. I know it's the last line. Uh, yeah that, i mean that's the whole thing it's obviously was a setup for a series yeah that was the whole point of this a movie and i guess yeah we can just talk a little bit about what what happened why it didn't become a so TV did you series. do a little research into I it i did i did it was actually yeah. interesting i just assumed failed pilot that just means like and eh, they didn't yeah. like it they moved so on. no but
1: it, it was picked up for 13 episodes they,
0: yeah they they had 13 episodes written it was gonna happen yeah uh but the studio they wanted to cut robinson out and just every week Questor have a new love interest.
1: I don't... Well, it's not so much a love interest. It was basically a fugitive-like show they wanted, which was every week he's being chased by the military and he basically is on some sort of venture. He's solving something, which I don't think is necessarily a bad show and it would be entertaining. Um, I think it also could have been a good show, just that sort of buddy comedy of these two opposite people, you know, Robinson and Questor. But what Roddenberry really wanted was... A much more sedate, kind of
0: well. Here's a good conversation's about the world and God and morality, all seen through this robot eyes. I was going to ask you this anyway, so let's do it now. What do you think an episode of Quest Shapes was supposed to be like? What do you think the mechanic of it was? Was it just them finding a kid who needed to be helped so that he would like eventually grow up to be good? Was it always just going to be like no. little things? No, see,
1: that's that's the the point where there, where Gene, where Roddenberry was, and the network was. I think he wanted a much more esoteric show. I don't think it had would have had your normal A plot or B plot. It would just be. I think it's just Quester being philosophical.
0: You, you think he just was going to have just meandering philosophical episodes?
1: Yeah, I do. I really do. That's what I think the show, that's what I think he wanted. And I think the network wanted an adventure show. And what they were coming up with was somewhere in the middle, but no one was really happy. Mm-hmm. That's what I think.
0: I assume that every episode someone killed themselves for Quester. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, the Quester killings.
0: That's I assume every every episode someone finds out who Quester is, the only way to save Quester is for that person to kill themselves. Right. And they gladly do it. Well, that's not bad. That would not my. Version. But so,
1: anyways, yeah, it was. It was picked up, and Roddenberry, and uh, what they really, at least of the articles I read, were really that the last sticking point for him was them trying to get rid of the Robinson character. Mike Mike Farrell, who played Robinson, kind of talked about how he thought he was treated badly too. Apparently, they were already rewriting about. No one told him. He found out afterwards and blah 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 um, but it basically the relationship of the network and Roddenberry soured and so he just passed on it so they you know went on to other things
0: I will say without Robinson I don't think it would have been much of a show I, he was well, the No, best Qu- well
1: Quester doesn't have much to, to yeah. talk about but again you can see the show they wanted to make they wanted to make the Fugitive or the Incredible Hulk or those sorts of shows well, that's what
0: I assumed it would have been like that's, a, that's all I assumed the show would have been but right. obviously Roddenberry had other ideas uh, here's here's. Did you read about this that uh, Roddenberry's son has been trying to reboot it?
1: I did. They've tried twice, I think.
0: Yeah, they, as recently as 2010, they've been doing it, and like it's so funny hearing Roddenberry's son talk about it and. Because most of the quotes I read were from his son, Mm -hmm. and at some point he said uh, that he wanted Brent Spiner to play. I saw that. I was just like, leave Brent Spiner alone. I know he doesn't want to do that. Why do you make him do that again? Like, that's not creative.
1: Well, and here's the thing that was interesting. You know, we just obviously came off um, Tech War, and where it's very difficult to find almost anything about Tech War. There's not a lot of positive comments. Not a lot of negative comments. So people just of anything. Just it just really didn't make a mark. Quester. And the Qu- quester, like I know, quester, the quester tapes really do seem like they're remembered positively. Maybe not by a large amount of people, but anything I read was all uh, people having really great thoughts about it and how they felt bad that it never became a series, which is interesting because I I don't know how you feel, but watching it, I don't know if I th- I saw like a great series there. I I really like it was fine, but I
0: mean, this is this was a quote I spread that I think Roddenberry's son said that he thought, or that his dad thought, the quester tapes would be bigger than Star Trek. I saw that too, yeah. It's like, I, no, I was it just wouldn't like, have. what world are you living in?
1: What, what I think he really means is we're running out of properties that I can stick my dad's name on and that I can keep making a paycheck without actually doing any work myself. Right, right. I think that's what that translates to.
0: I mean, it's funny actually thinking about the reboot, like looking at it through kind of a current day lens, obviously you do a show very differently, but there's so much mystery in that first episode that like now I think that would be the entire season like mm-hmm. what happened to his creator exactly oh you found this crazy booth under with it's spying on everyone what does that mean like there's so much that if you t- you can almost see like the producers of lost or something yeah. rebooting it and like the entire first season would just be that first. like there's so much mystery about what's happened in the first episode that they just like scan through so quickly that in modern TV like that would be the whole show
1: you're right you could actually see this more as a TV show now than you could back then um, I think like you could see this as a as a 10 episode series yeah I
0: mean including the disappointing pale but I mean that's it you, could, you would you'd finish it off he'd find his maker and and he'd be dead and he'd also be a robot. And then he'd have to figure out what next. Like, Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It did have some cool mystery elements. And I'm like, yeah, this, I can see why this would attempt to be remade. But
1: it did remind me, though, of a lot of Roddenberry projects that aren't Star Trek, which is there's a really interesting idea and an interesting philosophy, but it, the execution isn't quite there. And I think why Star Trek worked was the idea was a strong idea. Um, but he had a lot of very talented collaborators that made it into something special and something that people connected with. And I think it's difficult to say that this would have been a similar thing, despite what what Skippy Roddenberry, whatever his name is, thinks.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was uh, clearly the whole family still thinks highly of it. But it's uh, definitely was.
1: they also it probably felt Trek. highly of what's that Kevin Sorbo one? Andromeda. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: I guess that's mm-hmm. true. I I originally thinking that like he never got on series off the air, but he ended up getting a few series off the air later in his life. So well,
1: you know, these are all after he died. Oh, hmm. yeah. Rest in peace.
0: Uh, any any last thoughts on this, Jordan?
1: Well, I don't know. Do you want to talk about what, what like want to rate this thing? Yeah, I was gonna
0: say let's let's do our rating system.
1: You you start. I'm, start. I'm trying to think. I still I, I I have fixed emotion. I think depending on the day, I my rating will change.
0: I would give it. I'm gonna give a solid seven. Like I had a, not a great. By any means, it's not like something you need to run out and watch. But I had a good time. I had a really good time watching it. Uh, I did not have as good a time, but it wasn't bad. I would
1: give it a 6.5. I think we're pretty close on this. Things that saved it for me were music. I loved it. Um, I loved the steaming of body parts. I liked the ending. Like, not the actual ending. It was kind of dumb. But the actual, how it looked, it was kind of cool. And there were some things in there that I I actually thought the relationship between the two characters was pretty good. But I found it kind of slow and a little bit plodding, and also a little bit scattered in what it was actually trying to say and accomplish.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought it great. Yeah, great production design. I had, I felt that it had a fun a level of fun to it. There was some yeah, fun Yeah, I don't to know it. If, it, if it was that fun. I don't know. I had a good time. It had like two those two jokes. Would you hear how hilarious those were? It's so funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it wasn't like laugh out loud. I guess it was campy and fun.
1: It was no Adam Sandler movie.
0: <laughs> no Sandy Wexler.
1: Wow, what a reference of all the movies, Sandy Wexler. It's his best one, right? Is his best one. What was that one where he was like an Israeli?
0: <laughs> like an Isra- don't I, don't mess
1: with the Zohan. Yeah. Like, did anyone see that? Someone probably. Someone it must probably, have. It probably. It probably made five hundred billion dollars.
0: Yeah. Don't don't uh, attack Sandler. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us looking at the Quester tapes. Yeah. Um, uh, come back next week because we're going to do more robots. It's like all robots all the time these days. We're going to watch Beyond Westworld the original Westworld television show. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, it should be pretty good. In the meantime, if you have some thoughts on Quester Tapes or really any of the other stuff we're watching, you can email us at ContinuumDrag at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at ContinuumDrag. All right, Jordan, I'll see you next week, and I'll see you, the listener, next week as well. All right, talk to you then. Bye. Continuum Drag is recorded at Astro Lab Studios in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Dellick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Emily Carter, and Dwayne Wright.